Uh, well, hello everybody out there in Music Video Land, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Music Video Land podcast, brought to you by your super good friends at IMVDB, the internet music video database, growing every day with music video information, stuff, pictures, all the things you want to see. My name is Adam, I work at IMVDB, and with me as always is the Butterscotch Boy, Mr. Doug Klinger. How are you? Uh, doing super good, Adam. I'm also growing every day. Yes, we're all growing every day in different ways, uh, growing together. That's kind of what this podcast is about, emotional growth. Um, and the Max- we're we're that was, yeah, we all, you did too, for, for <laughs> me, that was, that was insane. That was insane. Uh, and then, was so tricky. we also have the, the master of emotional growth, Mr. Adam Alexander, Fringe Music Fix on the podcast. Adam? I am great. I'm wearing my big boy pants today. Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and then we have an awesome guest on the podcast, somebody who's, if you're familiar with this podcast, his name you should be very familiar with, um, Mr. Evan Prosovsky, uh, coming at us all the way from Greece. Adam, uh, Evan, how are you? Hey, guys. Hey, world. I'm good. Um, I don't have pants on. <laughs> First of all, we should say congratulations on your two music video, uh, music video award nominations for Best Cinematography. Thanks, man. So it's actually the Video Music Awards, but that's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, how, how do you? Uh, I'm curious, and I, I might be asking the question that Adam was going to ask. Do you do you find out before the world, like, or do they even tell you directly, or did you like find out when we did? Yeah, I found out when you guys did. I had no idea. I found out on Twitter, or actually, Emily emailed me. She was like, "Cool," and I had no idea. <laughs> Uh, and we should say that, that you are nominated for um, your director of photography work on West Coast by Lana Del Rey, directed by Vincent Haycock, and Afterlife by Arcade Fire, directed by Emily Kaibach. Both videos that have black and white work in them. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of black and white lately. Um, because you, you think your most recent music video release is Early Days by Paul McCartney, directed by Vincent Haycock again, and that is that is one hundred percent black and white. Yeah, yeah, it's all black and white. Um, and are you are you, for black, those black and white sequences? Are you are you working in thirty five millimeter? Yeah, th- those particular ones were all shot on thirty five mil double um, X real black and white stock. Um, uh, yeah. And so for the for the Paul McCartney early days video, I mean, you know, I think everybody who I mean, I guess, is older than like twenty, I guess, probably knows who Paul, Paul McCartney is. Um, he's kind of a legendary figure, uh, you know, yeah. was it, a little, and he's in the video, he's in the video a lot. I mean, was it kind of intimidating working with, with him? Yeah, it was super intimidating. It was, it was amazing though. There was like a big build up to it cause we were scouting, uh, Vince and I did a commercial in New Orleans and then we were scouting like in between shooting the commercial, we were checking out locations in Mississippi and, you know, scouting cast and things like that. And we knew that after we shot that portion, we'd be taking a bunch of them back to LA to like jam out with Paul. So it was kind of like this big epic build up to the day that we finally got to meet him. And yeah, we met him, and um, it was just yeah, this this big kind of thing. We'd all been thinking what's going to happen, and he was such a cool dude. Like Vince just had his cell phone number, and he'd be like, "Yeah, just call me like if you have any ideas." Like so, we'd be like in New Orleans, like in a swamp, and Vince would be like, "Hey, Paul, like we're in a swamp. Like what's up?" What do you think about that? And uh, yeah, it was just really surreal. He's such a humble dude, and it—I was scared, but then 
I met him and he gave me a big hug and then I wasn't scared anymore. <laughs> it's it's insane to me that, that Paul McCartney even has a cell phone. He seems like somebody yeah. who would, would just like get all like somebody else has a cell phone and they have to just like write everything down and hand it to him and let him respond. He seems like that that cool of a person. Who, no, dude, he was super humble. The, like uh, the big Paul McCartney Like, like story. flip phone humble or <laughs> not, not that humble? <laughs> Funny. I didn't see his phone, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was. You, you, you didn't see his phone, but you you know it exists, so that's that's cool. That's yeah. more than we had. Uh, you, you mentioned it being kind of initially intimidating um, to to the build up to working with Paul McCartney. Is it the yeah. same type of intimidation that you experience with the build up uh, shooting with Johnny Depp? <laughs> yeah, I was more excited about that. I wasn't like because he's just. They were both, you know, we got the impression from, like, the producer and from um, the video commissioner that they were both, like, super mellow guys. And Vince, the director, had been on the phone with them, like, a lot, kind of prepping things and chatting and making sure that, basically just making sure that everything ran smooth, like, once we got there, because we didn't have that much prep time in L.A. So we kind of knew what we were getting into. And, no, man, they were super nice, like, just typical professionals, like, kind of once you meet them you realize why they're so famous because they're just like the nicest most normal people and just like really good at their job boo we want them we want them to be mean and angry no (laughs) but i I will tell you the one nice paul story was that at the we shot this long day it was like whatever eight hour day which is long for someone his age and he's just like performing the whole time like really giving it and then he got like, he was just like a little bit cranky. Like he just said like some tiny little remark to like one of the PAs or something. It was like no big deal at all. But then Vince and I and AG, we, we went out for drinks after to celebrate. And I think this is, I can't remember if I was there when he called. Anyways, Vince got a call from Paul being like, hey man, like I feel really bad. Like, and he knew the PA's name. I don't even remember the PA's <laughs> name. It's like, I feel super bad. Like I kind of like, I just like yelled a little bit at like Ashley and I just want to make sure that, like, you know, she's okay and you guys didn't, like, fire her or something. And, like, she was really awesome and really nice. And, like, I just feel really bad. I can't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Vince is probably like, who's Ashley? I don't even know. It was surreal. Like, and he was doing shit like that the whole shoot. So it was was really fun. It was basically, like, the best client you could have. That's Canadian levels. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. So... You, you know, these past two videos have been huge. I mean, West Coast by Lana Del Rey was a huge video, and obviously any Paul McCartney video is going to be huge. Um, and they're both black and white. And I was wondering if, you know, what the decisions were to go black and white for those two videos and, and if they if they were similar. I don't always know 100% how it goes down behind the scenes and stuff, but I think in the case of the Paul McCartney video, he actually really liked this video Vince and I did for this guy called Rafferty, which was in black and white. So I think, up, yeah. yeah, I think it started with Paul wanting black and white or maybe Vince pitched it to him or something because he was sort of inspired by that vibe we had in that video. So I think it all started there and then we we kind of went from there. And then when it became like a period piece, it just sort of made sense, I think. And the, the Lana video, I don't know. I think probably Lana wanted that. She's got like a real strong aesthetic. Like she she really knew what she wanted. I think she really referenced um let's get lost that film let's get lost so Hmm. i think we were a lot of that was just trying to like recreate that feeling for her it just so happened that there's been a lot of black and white stuff lately i guess 
that's the I wouldn't say it's a, that's the trend, but we haven't seen a lot of well. I guess those two videos are the, are the kind of the biggest examples of that videos that are entirely black and white because Afterlife has those black and white segments, and those, yeah. the black and white segments in Afterlife those are thirty five millimeter, and then the color ones are are not correct. Um, yeah, so some of them some of them are thirty five, and some of them are sixty five. There was a bit of a mix, um, like when he's in the quarry, there's some sixty five stuff, but yeah, it's all real black and white. Um, and I wanted to ask about the. You know, I love those shots on the beach um, uh, on the West Coast video by Lana Del Rey. And I'm trying to think of the uh, Steadicam operator's name. It is, jeez, somewhere in here. Um, Brian Frisch. Was it Brian Frisch? Uh, um, That's what Ari Robbins told us. Because when, when we had Ari on the podcast, yeah. we were like, you did such a great job on West Coast. He's like, I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't do West Coast. We, we tried... Uh, Brian, oh yeah, that's what I remember. Cause yeah, Brian is Ari's home homie, and we couldn't. Ari's like my dude. He's such a nice guy. He's like the best Steadicam operator I've ever met, and uh, he he recommended Brian because he wasn't available, and Brian really killed it. He was awesome. Shout out to Brian. And I was wondering about the kind of relationship between you as a DP and a Steadicam operator, because you know the Steadicam moves in that shot are so vital to you know how it's how it's pulled off and how it how it looks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how closely do you guys work? You know, what sort of instructions do you give? You know, a guy like Brian, when you're when you're kind of setting up a shot like that. Kind of depends on the shoot. And with Brian, to be honest, I barely spoke to him. Vince was super hands on on that shoot. I I really can't take any credit for that video. Um, that was like Vince knew we wanted a zoom, and I think we were both really worried that just like we didn't know how much time we'd have with Lana. She's like a big star. We didn't know like how she was going to be on set and stuff. So you just kind of have to like set up. A situation where you can shoot as much as possible really quickly and we knew that if we did it with like as much natural light as possible just like wait for the sun to be in a good place and put a zoom lens on we could like add a lot of life to it and get a lot of shots very quickly so honestly it was like us just running frantically around the beach for like half an hour shooting and Vince like directing Brian I really just like ran I lost actually I lost my sunglasses that day because I was <laughs> so fast and, and there's there's uh, actual documentation of you guys running frantically uh, around the beach in the form of paparazzi photos that came out uh, from that video that actually show like like you, Vince, and Lana in the ocean and like Vince pulling his own own focus and that kind of thing. And so I'm assuming you guys had no idea that there were uh, paparazzi around that day. No, well, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I never actually did a great job and that I had no fucking idea they were there. <laughs> So Evan, yeah. uh, what was uh, what was Lana like on set? Did she also give you a hug? Um, yeah, I think so. Actually, <laughs> couple. Yeah, she was cool, man. Um, yeah, she she seems really, so cool. She was really specific. Like, I think she really knew what she wanted, and that's that's good and bad when when you're a director. But it's always a good thing when you're a DP. So it was kind of fun working with her. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was. I, I could. I wish I had something more specific to say, but yeah, she was really. Nice. <laughs> I, th- I think Adam was mo- most interested in the hug. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, my... we're looking for hugs info here. Yeah, if you, uh, just, if you could rate Paul McCartney and Lana Del Rey's hugs on like, <laughs> firmness and embraceness, you know, <laughs> just like all the t- intangibles. The firmness of Paul McCartney's hug was very firm and loving and affectionate, and I think I had a tear in my eye, and he saw it and said, "Like, don't worry, mate." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Patted me on the back, 
And I think Lana probably just gave me like a very kind of like quick, like professional hug. And I was like, cool. Well, they're both, they both have value. So that's, yeah. that's Can't good. Can't believe I just described that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. podcast is for. Yeah, that's what we're looking what for. We're trying to, yeah. podcast is all about. Um, I, I wanted to ask uh, just a, a little bit about like, because obviously you, um, uh, with the Grimes Oblivion video, just just like two years ago, was kind of a, kind of a big break for for all you guys for Grimes for Emily and and for you. That's kind of like when you know that that first big video, and then you know, kind of in the last two years, you've gone from like you guys essentially sneaking into a stadium shooting a video to like shooting large Paul McCartney videos. Is there, is there anything that you've kind of learned over the last two years that you've been able to kind of apply to your work now um, in, in shooting music videos? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a cool question. Um, it's hard to answer though, but I mean, the easy answer is, yeah, you learn so much on every shoot. Like, you know how music videos are. It's such a like, there's just never enough time and money. So that, that, the, 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 the way you work just forces you, you learn so much. It's just like getting put in the shit every time. So you come out like doing a commercial, there's only so much you learn. Maybe you learn like you get a more creative like collaboration with a director you've already worked with. You just like heighten your friendship or something, but, or get, you know, to play with big lights. But like on a music video, you just, you have to know how to work fast and you have to know how to work with like egos and work with a small crew and scout things around the light because you can't often light or you can't afford the big lights that you need and all of that stuff was interesting like shooting natural light on Grimes and just putting her trying to put her in the right places where the light was already good and then applying that to a video like Paul McCartney or Lana was kind of fun because it's really just the same thing but different star I guess but it's fun to use the same approach and you know to be honest nothing's really changed it's just nice to know what your options are it's like well, I could put a big light there, or we could just like wait for the sun. So, I don't know. It just gives you a bit more confidence, I and guess. That, and do you think that the artists that you work with, despite how you know whether they're a beetle or not, like they're they're still receptive to like dealing with that type of stuff and, and like realizing that that's kind of how music videos get made is like waiting for the sun and and fitting making things work that otherwise you wouldn't have been able to afford. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think they have a pretty uh, generally pretty unrealistic view of what it's like and they're treated you know very well they're they're always treated in such a way that which is good it's good for the director that you know they just kind of come in and do their thing and then come out and kind of leave room for the director to be creative because I don't think even if you wanted to explain to Lana Del Rey why we were waiting for the light it's just like I don't want to be in that situation so we just you know she like comes in, does her makeup. The AD is like super set. There's a schedule. There's a timeline. They keep her busy. Maybe she's doing. Maybe she was doing like when we weren't filming her to keep her busy. They were taking stills for her album or something like that. You know, like it's always really regimented. And not that you can't like talk to them or collaborate with them, but I just don't think that's really. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it really work. <laughs> That makes sense, though, because because you know you think of the you know I think it, it would be it would surprise a lot of people, um, maybe people who are familiar and unfamiliar with the production. Uh, yeah, how run and gun even like some of the biggest music videos are. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the trend. I feel like though, I mean, I'm sure that I one of my my first AC on that Afterlife video, Davey used to do all the Hype Williams videos, and he was telling me that like. 
back then there wouldn't even be budgets. Like just him and Hype and the DP, like Malik Saeed, would just drive around and they'd be like, how many helicopters we need for this shot? I don't know. Should probably get like three cameras. So that's three helicopters. <laughs> All right. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Budget, yeah. They would just, the budget would be informed by like how many helicopters he wanted. <laughs> and there was no run and gun about that. You know, you'd have a crew of like 300 people and like a crazy schedule. So I don't, I think it's like the budget and also just the trend of who's popular. Like Vince obviously wants to work in a more natural style, so that's the way we shot the video. It's, I'm sure that had he pitched a different brief to Lana, we could have shot like a super studio thing or whatever. And that yeah, now we're back. We're back to one helicopter. It's a one helicopter. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's a great helicopter story that that you and Emily tell in the um in your commentary for the Hearts Wings video, right? Is that the one? I don't know. Yeah, we had we always have helicopters for some weird reason. We had a little kind <laughs> the Super Eight mounted on the helicopter for that, and yeah. Uh, so it wasn't that one. What was the one where you? What's the video where you guys? Night, uh, nightlife. Nightlife, right? That's the one where you guys like took a helicopter tour, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we saw the brochure in our in our uh, motel. As you think that that's probably how Hype Williams was doing it too, right? Helicopter tours. Oh, dude, no, he was. Doing... <laughs> no, of course. Okay. Not. Okay. Good. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I'm um, sorry. We're we're all sorry. Uh, so I actually wanted. To, I actually had a question about that video because, and we're going back a few years now. This is 2002, the Sebastian Schuler video for Nightlife. Um, uh-huh. But I, you know, it's all shot in Miami, and I, the way I understand it is, you and Emily were kind of walking around Miami looking for shots. Yeah. Um, and Miami, Miami is such an interesting-looking city. It's got all sorts of kind of elements that you wouldn't find in any other city in the U.S. I don't think. Um, so I was wondering, you know, as a DP looking at that, if that was a challenge to shoot, because Miami is kind of a place of like neon lights, of really hard light everywhere. Uh, it, it's it's an odd kind of looking place. I kind of think that's like Emily chose it for that reason. We we at that point we still hadn't really traveled that much, and I think first of all going to Miami sounded like a really romantic place to shoot. Like just like the the city and the lights and the warmth and the beach. There was just like all this scenery that we hadn't been able to explore and shoot in Montreal, and and the the song kind of warranted it. So I don't think we really put much thought into like the difficulty per se or like what it really meant you know practicality but we just we knew that the neon and the color and the water and and all of that would sort of add to it and also just like warm weather being able to stay up all night and shoot was really important i mean on some of our other shoots it's just limiting like in canada it's like cold you don't no one but nobody wants to shoot an 18 hour day but emily and i could because it was really relaxing and nice that's one of those practical things I guess you don't think of is like, you know, sometimes it's too, what, what, what temperature does it become like kind of dangerous to even have a camera, a 35 millimeter film camera outside? I don't know. I, you, like you just, I, you can replace the oil in them to this special like cold oil so that you can shoot whenever. I think, I think any temperature works still just like sucks. I don't know. This is how much I do not know about cameras because I have no <laughs> clue that a camera had oil in it. So there we go. And there were different uh, types of oil. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fancy. Um, I, uh, I wanted to ask a, a couple more questions about the VMAs if I could. And, and mainly my main question is, uh, are you going to watch it? Yeah, totally. 
uh, it seems I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. I want to go, but I might be shooting, so I don't. I might be shooting a, a thing with M, so I don't know if I can. But we really want to go. Actually, are you guys and, going? No, we are are definitely gonna watch it though. We are gonna live tweet it. But I don't think. Uh, I, are they? I, do they broadcast the cinematographer award? That would be fantastic if they did. But I don't believe I, that. Yeah, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> I don't believe they do. So well, does that? As far as you say, hold on, Doug. They, because they, I think in like 2012 they did not, and it was, a, and they did, but now they have a little segment. You have to, it's like a blink and you miss a segment. But for the technical <laughs> awards, choreography, I mean, there's, I mean, half the, the the kind of irony is half of the awards are technical professional awards, and they and but they do list them now on air, which they did not used to do, uh, which is which I think is a definite step forward. And I think we have to check through the records, but I think having two nominations the same year for cinematographer is is pretty rare um i think there's one or two other instances but they're like back in the mid 90s so but we'll ch- we'll check it and we'll put it in the show notes and as, as far as you know if that if those videos win do you do you get a moon man i hope so <laughs> you haven't looked into it no i'm assuming you just still still living on the high of the, of, of knowing uh yeah no we're, we're curious because if you do uh we we want to know about it. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I really, honestly, I think, well, I think Michael Reagan should win. I think that video he did is so nice. It's so much better than my video. <laughs> I also what? think that Darren Liu, the guy that shot the Beyonce thing with Jackson Hunt, Darren mm-hmm. Liu is so fucking good. He's incredible. So props to Darren Liu. And I'm so cool. So you like you're 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 happy though just to be alongside you're you're a big fan of the your your co-nominees then yeah it's a crazy honor it's super cool I mean I didn't but the only thing I don't know yet maybe you know is like who votes for this stuff I don't even know who nominates these things like what if it's just like has nothing to do with cinematography and it's just the video that got the most views or something it was well, just I me it was, it was I, just out of just out of Alexander's chooses uh, I I. I, I'm, I'm. We're actually not sure about that. I do believe that the winner is voted on f- right. based on the nominees. I don't know, and anyone can vote on that, and and we recommend people vo- going to vote. Uh, um, but but I'm not sure where it came from. But but uh, the reason I ask because this year, you know, we've seen years before where like we see the nominees in almost every category, and we're really like scratching our heads by it. Like it really does just yeah. seem like the stuff with the most views is what's nominated. But yeah. but but this year in particular, like they we we we're not really mad at, at most of it. Uh, most of it makes a lot of sense to us. Yeah. Huh. I so, don't know. It's the most out sales or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that there is uh, so the gate to to nominations. I th- I do think there is some sort of committee with it. Like the Grammys, you you're on a committee, or you're not a committee, but you're part of the Grammy uh, voting group, which is a few ten thousand people. Um, hmm. With the MTV, it's a lot more ep- opaque. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's some sort of group within MTV itself that is comprised of a certain amount of members. Um, hmm. But yeah, yeah. So that's that's and yeah, we've been impressed. So there we go. That's cool. Yeah. When's this podcast come out? I hope I didn't make any. VMA person angry. <laughs> oh, it'll be uh, it'll be tomorrow. But how would you make have made them angry? That's okay. I don't know. Just not knowing shit. But <laughs> I don't think you're. I don't think. I don't think you're required to know. You're not think, winning that's, now. That's their problem. They didn't tell you. 
Yeah. That's the, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. We had we actually had in like 2012 VMAs. We had like people like artists tweeting the directors asking if we if they won certain categories, and the directors were like at the VMAs and they had no clue what was going on. So okay. MTV, maybe you need to work on your communication a little bit. Yeah, that's uh-huh. coming from us. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, I guess should we talk a little bit about uh, some music videos this week? I think we should. There were some good good ones. Take, take take a few mins. Take a few mins. A couple of mins. But one of them is uh, we had a few pretty amazing music videos come out this week. Um, some from our some of our favorite directors, um, and one of them was for one that I actually did not expect. Here, Mariah's video for Spoon. The, the concept of this video is well, actually, Doug, you wrote the article on it. What do you explain it? Sure, I will. And I guess are we are we gonna do are we gonna just give away the ending? Are we assuming people yeah, who are spoiler, listening? It's a spoiler. Full spoilers. <laughs> spoilers in this. So if you haven't watched this video, watch it first. Um, spoiler alert. Because, yeah, because, uh, you know, in the article that I wrote about this video, I focused a lot about kind of the pacing of it. And that's that is like a major element of the video is just kind of like when things are kind of delivered to you and revealed to you as the viewer. It really kind of like takes its time. It's time to do that. Like you you're not really explained what's happening in this four minute video until like past three minutes and 30 seconds into it or something. And so uh, the essential concept is uh, Spoon, Frontman, uh, uh, something. What's his name, Adam? Brett? Britt? Yeah, Britt. Britt uh, is uh, is driving a, a sweet Plymouth uh, in L.A. Um, and it's kind of slowly revealed. First, you kind of see that he's beat up, and then you kind of see that, like, everything outside of the car is kind of just gone to shit. There's, like, burning tires and people running fearfully through the streets. Uh, and then as the video uh, progresses, the you know, you, the camera finally, finally widens, and it's revealed that there are a giant children just kind of, like, playing in the, sh- in the streets. Uh, and when I say giant, like, I'm talking about, like, honey, I blew up the kids big. Um kind of just like wreaking havoc on the city and everybody is, you know, they're killing people essentially, uh, but having fun while doing it because they don't really realize that what they're doing. That's kind of, uh, that's what happens in the video. Super good. Everyone loved it. I did. Oh, I'm definitely a huge fan. Especially, like you said, the reveal. It was a, it was a cool calculated video, but that final reveal when, when you see what's created the destruction is what sets the video apart from uh, from other apocalypse post-apocalyptic type videos this is like mid, this is mid-apocalypse mid baby you're right mid, this is mid-child mid. mid-child apocalypse this is one where I, so i was wondering what the, the the girl was doing in the back and also the so the guy from spoon um he We're seems dead. kind of he doesn't seem super like scared of these children i guess if they're giant children you know they, they do have the power to crush you but you know, they're, again, they're children. I guess there's some sort of mental kind of uh, dissonance going on there. Yeah, it's not like uh, they're doing any of this. They're causing any of this destruction intentionally. Uh, I saw it described somewhere. I think it might have been an interview with Hero or something about kind of like um, humans in an anthill, how you kind of like don't realize like the utter chaos that you could be like inflicting on this, you know, culture of ants if you step on an anthill. Um and so maybe it's, uh, you know, like a similar perspective with these kids. They don't realize all these people that they're killing. They're more concerned with, like, playing with the ball. What girl are you talking about? The There's passenger girl, in the car, The girl right? in the back seat, yeah. Yeah, she's just kind of listening to music, daydreaming. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting kind of mood that, that they both have in the car. 
given that things are Stoic. getting destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and so I have I have DP questions for some of these since we have Evan on, <laughs> um, and and one of them, I have to imagine that like this has like so many car shots, um, yeah. And I feel like with like the, a car with glare and glass and everything, all the kind of factors that go along with it, that car shots are kind of uh, a challenge. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. I think the hardest part probably for them was just getting all those shots, all the hidden cuts. I think because they, sh- they shot at a time of day where reflection isn't like a huge deal, but maybe I'm wrong. Evan, uh, c- staying on the topic of car shots, that, it's actually something I've often wondered. Um, especially on sitcoms, it seems like uh, car shots are often green screened, and I always wondered, like, isn't that kind of like, I, I got understand you're on a set usually, but like it's always green screened. Is that like a hard shot, like a moving vehicle shot? Uh, I mean, I really don't know why they, I mean, sometimes it's probably money reasons or like time reasons. Like maybe they don't have time to dick around driving around LA and traffic trying to get like a good shot or something. But I think generally I could be wrong. I think it's cause like some stars just won't do it. Like, cause when you, you know, you can put them on the, the car on the low loader or whatever you call it, you know, like, so somebody is driving them, but it looks like they're driving and it's kind of like sort of realistic looking but if a director wants them to actually just drive around a city and do it for real it just takes forever and it's really hard to rig the camera and just like it's kind of a pain and i think lots of actors just don't do it and and you talk you talk going back to the spoon video you talk about uh the hidden cuts that you uh that you saw i i there was one that i thought that i saw for sure that was the when they go up to the sky and and that uh, appears to be a cut there. Were there more that you think that you recognized? I mean, maybe. The camera movement looks like they smoothed it out in post, and maybe that's just because they had to do some sort of... It was, like, bumpy or something. I, I have no idea how they did any of those shots. Did Larkin shoot? I don't think Larkin shot that. You should. We should ask the DP. I have no idea. It was idea. Uh, e- Eli Bourne. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know, Eli. But, um, huh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> If uh, Eli, if you're listening to this, send us uh, some sort of postcard. Tell us how you did it. Yeah, tell us, tell us, Eli. Um, tricky so devil. <laughs> uh, one of the videos we had on the list this week was "Oblivion" by Bastille, best known for their what's that song called that they do? That are, uh, Pompeii. That's it. By uh, directed by Jesse John Jenkins. Um, but this video, if you are a Game of Thrones fan, and I am a huge Game of Thrones fan, it's kind of a pastime of mine to find all the music videos that Game of Thrones actors and actresses have been in. Um, but this one has a major one. This is uh, um, features Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa Stark on uh, Game of Thrones, which is a main character, directed by Austin Peters. And this is uh, her playing someone who is singing the song Oblivion by Bastille at a very dirty sort of card drag race crash into each other festival i'm not really sure what it is but people it's are, this is called it. uh this is called derby. uh Dem- demolition, demolition demolition derby, derby. there uh, we yeah, go yeah that's what it's called you adam, adam you're not familiar with demolition derbies man you it's didn't car smasher you didn't spend enough time in the south adam even though you're still here uh <laughs> this goes down this goes down lots in miami no it doesn't uh uh but i i know about it too because i think there was um 
real world episode where they had to do a demolition derby. Uh, maybe it was road rules. Um, but uh, uh, this is a uh, and then and then you, you also at the end after she's singing at this, you see that she's also a competitor in the derby. That's right. Um, and the people here, they're the people in there. They're digging it. And isn't there a shot where there's a severed hand on a on a anyway? Um, <clears throat> Didn't catch I, that. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't remember that either. So maybe I'm, I was just seeing things. But I don't know. Sophie Turner is such a great <laughs> actress. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, she's, she's amazing in it. The, the series starts where she's a lot younger, and, and she's a, kind of a really kind of linchpin of the whole series. Uh, she, but she really um, – I think she did a great job here. She, she, there's this kind of trope of people getting in front of audiences and either winning them over or not winning them over, you know uh, – I think music videos have done it either way, and I think she she, she wins him over in this case. Singing a dude song, it, though. We're not it, we're not hearing her sing it. We're hearing the guy from Bastille sing it. Obviously. Right. I'm I'm also won over. Is now are we supposed to like um, uh, assume that she's maybe like uh, this is kind of like a, the national anthem, but instead of the national anthem, she's singing Oblivion. That's kind of what I got. I got that too. So since it's not really her voice, could it be? I don't know. I don't. I don't even know. I'm not going to try to dig too deep. Well, yeah, well, well I, I think I think they now. maybe and, and not to dig too deep, but just maybe they're playing with with gender stereotypes a little bit because she's singing in Bastille's voice, and then you would expect uh, a demolition derby driver to possibly be male, and then we find out that she's also the the demolition derby uh, competitor. So maybe they're hmm. playing with that a little bit wow, without the, going too deep. That's deeper than I was going to go. I'm sorry. But, uh, cool. Cool. <laughs> the keep, cool keep, it light. Is, keep it light. <laughs> the car she gets into is all, just like seems like it's already wrecked. I don't even know what yeah, she's that's doing how, in there. That's, listen, if you would have done the Demolition Derby research, which I asked you to do going into this podcast, you would know <laughs> that that's how they work. You get like a shitty car and then you just go like it's the last car that can run. Like you basically smash into cars until they can't move or you die. And uh, and then who, yeah, whoever is either alive or their car is alive is the winner, and ki- children watch them. Uh, children watch these. Um, uh, we, we, we will. There will hopefully children watch Game of Thrones. So there's that, a that should too. that that shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, there, should. there there will be more insight on this video uh, to come because I believe Austin Peters will be recording a director commentary for us on this video. Uh, so look for that. Look for that. Um, if you want to see a video that came out this week that already has a director commentary, we've got Basement Jack's video for Never Say Never, uh, directed by Mr. Saman Kesh, who, uh, Evan, are you familiar with Saman Kesh and his work? Yeah, I know I know him and Isaac work together a lot. Also, shout out Austin Peters. He was a really nice guy. I met him once. And Jackson Hunt did a crazy good job on that video. Austin, New York represent. He was at uh, um, OMG all week as well uh, right. a couple of weeks ago. Represent OMG. Any chance to mention it? Um, uh, so this this video, just to explain it, because I'm convinced someone has, a, uh, if you look at his videos, the, the one thread that goes through there is butts. There's a lot of butts. <laughs> um, like on, in both of the placebo videos, too many friends, a little bit more, but also in Loud Like Love. Um there's just a lot of butt shots, and this one is about a group of people developing a uh, what is called the twerk bot, um, and it, it sort of takes you through this whole process of them creating this twerk bot. And the twerk bot is is a pair of legs that that twerks, 
and and it's a pair of legs and a butt. A pair of well, a butt. Yeah, you can't have a twerk butt without a butt. But um, it just goes. It's like the, it's supposed to be in Tokyo. Um, I highly recommend listening to the commentary. It's done by Simon and and the cost and the wardrobe designer uh, Michelle Thompson and um, get a little bit of insight into what what the heck is going on here. But by the end, they have a pretty convincing uh, twerking prototype. It is, and I'm pretty sure most of this is pretty practical as well. Uh, um, I think there is a little bit of uh, post work, but he's ta- like he's in the commentary. Someone talks a lot about like how they were like actually puppeteering the twerk bot, so it, it's not going to twerk on its own. But with some with some work, uh, this is a this is a practical effect. Uh, neat. Is, so is I can't buy, I can't actually pre-order the twerk bot. Not yet, but there's they've been joking a lot about a potential Kickstarter. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that I don't think they'd pull it off. Um, um, uh, you just re- oh nothing. I was just giggling. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, he, he was considering donating to the Kickstarter. Well, um, you know, something like that may not be too far off. Have you guys seen the the real the real dolls? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I mean, those are those things cost like two thousand bucks, and they're like. Why do you a real know that? Person. Um, somebody was mentioning on some sort of podcast that I was listening to about and them up online. But and the weird thing is, it's not like a a really big slick corporation that makes them. It, it it seems like some guy who has a warehouse somewhere in the U.S. that's just designing and making these uh, these real dolls. So yeah, um, we'll put, yeah. If you want to see the real dolls, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> I have a um, confession. My my new girlfriend is actually a real doll. That's why I I'm keeping on the low pro about that. Adam, we we all had a uh, suspected a little bit, and yeah, we're we're proud of you. We're everything's everything's fine. I Boom. saved up real long there, and I'm, I bought it. <laughs> it's got super weird, super weird. This is. Uh, I think we should go on. We should uh, stick with the weird. How about this? Here's my here's how I'm doing this transition. We're we're gonna go from weird to weird owl. How about that? Because uh, lame. Right. Lame claim to fame. A Weird Al, if anyone didn't know, which how could you not, that he released a whole bunch of music videos uh, last week, uh, leading all the way up until this Monday. He just kind of put, put, put one out every day, and every one of those videos was massively popular, which was pretty unexpected, but also pretty sweet. Uh, I'm on board with with Weird Al just like taking over the internet uh, for a while. And also like actual record sales. This is like the first yeah, number pop- one. First comedy album to go number one in um, like fifty plus years, something like that, which is remarkable. Uh, definitely his first number one of thirty-five albums, which is a thing. That is a thing. Well, obviously, yeah, because he hasn't been making music for thirty for fifty plus years, thirty plus years, but not fifty. So anyway, the video that we want to talk about is the most popular video uh, from this week. Uh, Al's got like four still in the top ten. He had four last week. Uh, and then this is lame claim to fame, and this is like a stop motion animated uh, video. Uh, and the concept of the song is peop- uh, a character who is just super proud of the fact that like he's met celebrities in public in pretty generic scenarios. And uh, instead of getting getting too deep into talking about this video, I, w- I wanted to see if any of us had any lame claims to fame. And uh, I- and I asked I asked. Adam Alexander specifically, because uh, because I knew he would have a bunch, and I think he does. I think he's got six, right? I, I have. I definitely have two. Uh, the more I might have a third, but I'm going to go with two. Okay. So the, the first one. Lead, lead I'll us make off. it quick, though. I'm going to make it quick. Leave lots okay. of time for Adam Fairholm's claim to fame. 
So the first one was I stood in line at Coachella 2007 next to J.L. Strauss of America's Next Top Model. Uh, and she ranked sixth uh, the year that she was on the show. And later uh, she made an appearance on Dr. Phil for her drug addiction problems. So, yeah. And, I, you, stood, I stood, and you stood in line near her. Yeah, and she had like a cool like super soaker like water pack like hooked up to a super soaker. And she was like ready for Coachella 2007. She was set. Man, that's yeah. sick. So that was that's the first one, and okay. the, the second one would be uh, I met Jared Leto briefly. He I went to a, a Thirty Seconds to Mars concert, and he was doing like an autograph signing, and there were like a whole bunch of like eighteen year old girls like like chatting it up with him, and he was like you know just playing along. And I had like a really super well thought Requiem for a Dream question for him, <laughs> so like I I finally got up to the line, cut through all the girls. And, and, like, I pitched my question to him, and I was hoping for, like, a cool answer, like, right from him. And he just, like, ignored me and turned his head to some other 18-year-old girl, and I was mad. And I don't like Jared Leto anymore. So wow. That's that, one. that one's painful. The other one was hilarious, and this one makes me sad. It was harsh. That one made you me never... Yeah. That's a great... This is, this is a lot more painful of a segment than I envisioned it being, uh, but that's great. Those were great. Those were perfect. Um, uh, I, yours, Doug. Um, uh, so I, I'm 12. I'm at the <laughs> I'm at the Houston. I'm at the Houston airport, and uh, I see Kenan Thompson walking through the airport, and I like <laughs> flip out, and I start going, "Kel, Kel, Kel, what are you doing?" And he just keeps walking. It doesn't look over to me, and then my sister turns to me and is and is like, "That was Kenan." And uh, I got super sad. Yeah, yours was sad too, Doug. Not really. Not as well, sad as not sad. as sad as you waited in line for Jared Leto. That was sad off the bat. Yeah, you're that right. That was sad before hey, you, Georgie. But in my defense, Requiem for a Dream is my favorite movie still to yeah. this day. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Evan, you can't, we, we can't really – I guess you have met a lot of celebrities. But um, are there any of them in, in a completely mundane situation and not on a, on a set? Well, I haven't met that many because I grew up in a, like a small town in Canada. So the only time I've met "quote unquote" celebrities is, I guess, a few musicians I worked with. But like, I was trying really hard to think, and I've literally met so few that I can't really think of ever meeting them. But I have even further removed stories. Like, literally, the <laughs> only story I remember that came to mind after like really thinking was that this director that I worked with, I'm shooting a documentary with him. And he knows David Blaine, and he just kind of like dropped it one day in conversation at dinner. And I was like, oh, I, I just freaked out. I couldn't believe that he knew David Blaine. And I just, the whole time, I think I creeped him out because I was just like, tell me more David Blaine stories. <laughs> and, uh, that is, yeah, that is, that, oh man. That that was, that's a dinner that, conversation. That's a and secondhand but, lame, lame claim to fame. So that's like twice as, twice as, twice awesome. as lame claim. Yeah. And, Okay, the only other one I could think of is that <clears throat> I, jo I joined, um, when I was in grade 11, I joined a uh, choir so that I could go to Disneyland. <laughs> and um, it was awesome. It was really fun. But okay, so we were on the plane, and uh, I don't know. I mean, who knows if these things are real or not. But I guess, remember, what was that show? Was it American Idol or something? Like the original, that guy that was really, really, really bad at singing, but he got famous and everyone loved him. Ken, Ken, oh, yeah. Ken yeah. Jung, not Ken Jung. No, uh, 
No, yeah, what was his oh name? Not Ken God, Jung. No, it was... Uh, his album. <laughs> it was... Uh, uh, it's um oh my god we're all so bad William Hung, William yeah William, William Hung. Hung. <laughs> yeah. so apparently um word on the street was that uh they saw William Hung in the airport but I wasn't there <laughs> that is no, I that's think you win. That's that's a... that, that one wins the number yeah. one but, and, you can't give out right. a win you can't give out a win because that means that you don't have to tell yours but you have to tell yours yeah let's hear it uh, so this is 2003. Um, I was in New York and I was seeing a uh, performance of Cabaret with my girlfriend at the time. And it was the intermission and I'm like, rushing to the bathroom to be the first one there because I know there's going to be a line. And I realize the person I'm rushing with is Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, and I beat him. I beat him to the bathroom. <laughs> just a few seconds, but I did. So I was, I was pretty happy with that because we were both hustling, you know, trying to walk but not look like we're running. Because he definitely had to go pretty bad, same as me. So that would be the uh, that would be the only one. And one time I, th- I thought I saw Bismarck in an airport, but I, I didn't, that doesn't count. That's funny. Man, Biz- <laughs> Bismarck would have been funnier, but I like the Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, so let's talk about uh, – I, I want to talk about the, the Pharrell video. So we've got – this is a video featuring Pharrell uh, – with Pharrell featuring Miley Cyrus, two of arguably the – biggest stars out there right now um if you're talking like mid 2013 up to now i would i would argue they're, they're two of the biggest um together in a pharrell song and i thought this was so there's two parts of this there's 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 pharrell in a in a in a building um and he gets these auditioning people and um dancers and dancers and stuff and there's only like five of them which is they're trying to do a montage but there's only five dancers which makes it a little awkward and then there's the there's like a Miley Cyrus segments where which are very entertaining, um, but the thing that struck me so the Evan I wanted to ask you about this because I've always kind of figured this is the case. They're they're in this building, but mm-hmm. the walls are all windows. They're shooting against the windows, um, and I've always heard that that is both kind of unnerving and difficult to do to kind of you know uh, expose the the you know LA outside plus them inside really well. Um, uh, I don't think, I mean, it depends. Back in the day, if you had some shitty digital camera, maybe. But I think the DP that shot that, Alexis Sabe, he's super talented. So I'm sure if he did it, he did it for a reason. And that director, Luis, from Canada is, like, super talented, like, such a sweetheart, super smart. I think, and they they had those big breeze lights. You can see those, the, like, rap video lights. You know, the really big circles? Sometimes from one of them. So... He just had one or one or two of those on the dancers filling them in, and I I think that was like super easy for Alexis or Alexi. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it looks really fantastic. I thought the video looks great, and especially the they use color really. There's some installation on the wall that Miley and the Pharrell kind of hang out in front of that that looks really um, interesting. Um, and there's so many Miley Cyrus and Pharrell are kind of hamming up. Hamming it up in this, and I think they kind of carry the video. I, I think I liked it. Yeah, and I, I I'm a shame I'm a shameless Miley Cyrus fan. I wish that it would have just been them, maybe. That I wanted more Miley Miley in it. There was there wasn't enough Miley. So I mean I, that could okay. come on, Adam. You you could say that about any video, right? Yes. You any vi- you watch any video, it's like <laughs> why isn't there more Miley Cyrus not- in this video? <laughs> so it could be said of any video. Uh, it's interesting. Um, because obviously, 24 Hours of Happy is a fantastic video, and the 
and the the 24-hour version and even the you know the edited three-minute version or whatever is is still a lot of fun to watch but it's funny now to see the because like on on the surface 24 hours of happy is like oh my god this is the most insane like concept ever i can't believe an, an artist you know was willing to put up with that you know thinking about how you know evan was talking about how you know you're not the artist is not going to be there the whole time and you know that you're just fitting them into like a larger scale thing but like happy pharrell had to be there for lots of time um but it's interesting now to see all three of these videos kind of laid out the three videos from the girl album and uh pharrell's part uh is pretty similar in all three he's kind of just being cool pharrell singing and, and rapping towards the camera and i'm i'm wondering if you know that was going to be the case no matter what. And it was up to these directors to like do something with that. You know what I mean? Now, now that now kind of looking at these three videos as like, as you know, as a whole from this album, am I just like talking, talking out of my butt? No, because the girl, the girl video has shares similar themes. You know, a lot of girls, uh, Marilyn Monroe, you mean? Marilyn Monroe, sorry, yeah, um, shares a lot of different, uh, shares some, I wouldn't say is is similar to, but has some common threads in there, and you know, that the, they kind of all really nicely stem from the concept of the album as well, as Pharrell is this kind of untouchable, awesome dude that you're never going to be as cool as, and all <laughs> these girls who are, who, who he's never really like, sexually interested in, but are always kind of fawning around him, there's a, it's, it's he's, he's one of those guys who's a really weird an interesting dynamic that he 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 mines really well. Yeah, I think not knowing too much about what actually went down, I think that Pharrell's brief is just like kind of like most musicians. It's like make me look cool in my own specific little way, and he has his own little specific ways that you just discussed. And I think the directors were probably given a bit of freedom. Like I know we are from LA wrote that concept for Twenty Four Hours of Happy, and I know that Canada. Like they, that aesthetic, like their their look is like super prevalent in that Marilyn Monroe video. So I think he's probably pretty cool to work with, if I had to guess. I think yeah. he probably gets some some good creative freedom. Sure. Yeah, and I guess it was. Uh, I guess I was just you know implying that like he had an idea of what his presence in these videos was go- was going to be, oh. and then like the rest yeah. was was up to to the, with the directors to do something with. Because yeah, definitely that. That Canada vibe is definitely in that Marilyn Monroe video, and yeah, that I mean that that twenty four hours of happy, just conceptually and the execution is is fantastic, and it, and it, like it fits perfectly with that like Pharrell being being a cool stylish man vibe that uh, that he does so perfectly, and uh, so cool. One one other fun note that I thought was kind of interesting that I haven't really heard of much before is that. Uh, Alexis Abe shot all three videos, and they're with different directors. So I, I get Pharrell must like request him every time or something, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, that that's 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 super interesting, actually. I've I haven't heard of uh, anything like that being well. It uh, other than you know, it it kind of reminds me of Mike Reagan and uh, Portugal the Man. Actually, it's similar. I know uh, Evan, you shot one of the um, one of those Portugal the Man videos, right? Um, no, I think Mike Reagan shot a bunch of those. Oh, I, I haven't shot any for. Sorry, yeah, yeah, my mistake. You shot, you shot the um, other that go video. Um, yeah, I, I did around that time. That's where my. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's another I'll cut, example. Don't worry, that, I'll cut that out. Doug. Yeah, cut, cut that out. Yeah, you're gonna be cutting a lot of my stuff out. This we'll just cut Doug out. Cut him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was never here. 
I was never here. Yeah, it's weird how I did that. <laughs> oh boy, I'm so dumb. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, it, and that that is might be something that's very rare. Is is an artist of frail statue stature like kind of re- requesting a DP? But I mean, that's you know that's why I think in music videos, especially the the photography work is just so key, so important. Obviously, the directing work and, and all the other details, but. Um, you know that's uh, that's why you guys are awesome. <laughs> I think I think the smart ones try and embrace it a bit, but it really is all the director. But I've heard stories of like pretty big pop stars saying funny stuff. I know I won't say who it was, but I know somebody that was like <laughs> to Dion Beebe, who's like shot Chicago, probably one of the most famous like female photographer. You know, he he shot like he's made everybody look beautiful, basically. Yeah, and uh, was just like. Where's my key light? Like, where's the big light? Like, right in front of the camera, and like giving him lit and stuff, and <laughs> just like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so that's kind of cool. And it's funny because we were just in Athens, Georgia, for Sprockets, and we saw Stephen Metallo's talk on the history of music videos, and some of the best stories that he told were were like director of photography stories of like, um, you know, incidents between DPs and, uh, and artists. Was that, Bru- that Bruce Springsteen story that he tells? Yeah, great Bruce Springsteen story that I'll, if there's, I think maybe if he wrote out in a blog post, I'll try to link to, but uh, yeah, there's a famous Bruce Springsteen story with, uh, I think, Daniel Pearl. Um, yeah, where he like tr- tricks him into like making him, like he has him like hired under the pretenses that he's shooting a different video for a different artist. And That's suddenly, it's like Bruce Springsteen. Like, actually, this is my video, man. I'm sorry. And they had like they had they had beef. They had Whoa. beef beef going into it. Yeah, it that that's that uh, talk. Stephen's talk is pretty pretty sweet. History music cool. video. Stephen Patella. I want to hear that. That sounds. Do you fun. do you follow some of like the old, you know, music video like DPs like Daniel Pearl and those kind of guys, Evan? Uh, not really. I know who Daniel Pearl is as like a feature DP, but I don't. Yeah. I, Sometimes, though, you know, you, I always like, that's one of my favorite things about shooting when you get to get, you know, sort of a quote-unquote real crew is all, all those stories from, like, my gaffer or something. You know, it's always so funny hearing that kind of stuff. Um, well, I think that, uh, we, I think we covered it, you guys. I think we, we blanketed it with, with knowledge, with, uh, with insight. Um, we, did, we did a great job. I'm proud of us all. We did a great job. So if you want to see the show notes, you want to see the, the music videos we talked about on this episode, you can go to imvdb.com slash podcast. This is episode one. Hold on. I closed the window. Um, this is episode 116. Um, and uh, we're recording this on uh, July 24th, 2014. Released on next uh, tomorrow on Friday. Um, and one thing that you should check out, uh, if you have an Apple TV... Um, or if you have an Android device or maybe some other thing with an Apple device on it or with apps on it, check out the Vimeo app. Uh, Vimeo has featured our Music Video Land channel on the Apple TV app, on the Android app, and possibly a few other places. Um, there's some great videos on there handpicked by uh, Doug to go on that, uh, that channel. So it's, you can sit back in your living room if you have the Apple TV, relax, watch some videos. Um, they're all fantastic. Um, and if you want to check out Evan's work, uh, we've got uh, um, a link to his IMVDB page on the show notes. And then we can find uh, you on tw- Twitter. And do you do you have a – I can't remember if you have a website or not, Evan. Yeah, I, I got one of those. <laughs> so yeah, so he's a worldwide web address. We'll ha- also have that in there. And Evan, thank you so much for joining us. This is awesome. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Th- and thanks, thanks, Evan.
and good luck on the VMAs. Uh, those are coming up in August, August twenty fourth, exactly a month from today. So uh, we'll be we'll be rooting for you. Thanks, man. We'll root for Michael Reagan. He did the best job out of all of us. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll, okay, we'll so root, we'll root for plan. Okay, we're going for Michael Reagan. I, I hope it'd be so cool. Nice. Yeah. That um, would be sweet.